Our scripture reading today is found in two places, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 25, and Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 to 13. This is the word of the Lord. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 to 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Today we close our series on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We went through love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, and gentleness. We saw that each of these fruits, as we look at them in distinction, have their own particular character to it. But we've also come to understand that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is singular. In fact, all of these characteristics are related to one another. How can you have love without kindness and goodness? How can you have joy without peace and patience? How can you have gentleness without being kind to one another as well? In fact, this fruit of the Holy Spirit, the singular fruit that the Holy Spirit brings up in one and each and every one of us is simply the character of God for you and for me. Today we close in looking at the final characteristic, self-control. And what does God mean for us to be a people of self-control? Control. Now, before we dive a little bit deeper into this, we need to look again at the, the context of Galatians chapter 5 and of Galatians as a whole. You see, the church in Galatia was fighting over what does it mean to be saved or what does it mean to be a Christian? And this is a question that we have for ourselves, and this is a question that we have for other people. It's what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to know Jesus or to be known by Jesus? The whole world today will raise their hand and say, I am a Christian. We live here in the South, and we've seen how Christianity has been politicized in many ways. We've grown up here in the South, many of us, perhaps in Christian schools or perhaps with co-workers who, who, who claim Jesus as their Savior. But oftentimes when we look around the world that we live in, this, this Christianized world, we still have to ask the question, do they really know Jesus? Do I really know Jesus? What does it mean to be a Christian? 
And Paul's letter to Galatia actually addresses this because there were people in Galatia who really believed that in order to be saved, they need to simply follow the law. In other words, they had to follow rules. The more they followed rules, the more they were a Christian. The less they followed the rules, the more they were looked upon as someone who did not know Jesus. In other words, that they believe religion, to do good works, was the way to salvation. That what we do and how we do things dictates whether or not God is pleased with us. Now, many of us live this way. We live not by grace, but by law. We figure that God will only be pleased with us if we do the things that he asks us to do. God is like that parent who does not give unconditional law, but like that parent who says to us, if you want my love, if you want my favor, do your homework. Practice more. Be good to your siblings. Go help your neighbor. Go mow the lawn. Then come back. And then I'll see if I will give you my love. Now, the people in Galatia, they believed they were good at doing this. They were good at pleasing God. And so they fooled themselves into thinking that, listen, I listen to God well. God must love me. But little did they know that if they could see what God could see in their hearts, that their works fell short. For none of us can love God with a perfect, clean heart. And so Paul is saying to the people in Galatia that the only way to be saved is by grace alone through the faith, a gift which God has given you. That God saves you in your sin, with your sin. And as you do, as God does so, his love for you says simply, come as you are, you are loved. But God in his great design does not want you to stay where you are. God might save you in your sin, but God calls you to live a life of holiness in that salvation that he has given to us. And so then the question is, well, where does this character come from then? If I can't show you love, joy, peace, patience from me, and say, God, here is my joy, here is my patience, here is my goodness, here is my faithfulness. Now, give me that nice pat on the back that says, I'm a good Christian. If it doesn't come from there, where does it come from? This is what Paul is talking about. For the fruit of the wicked is... It's evident. It's anger. It's dissension. It's drunkenness. This comes from a heart who, who does not know the Lord. But the fruit of the Spirit says that once I have placed my Spirit upon you, the fruit that you will engender, that you will grow, 
will be a fruit that is born by my grace and grace alone. And this fruit, once again, will look different from every other idea of love, joy, peace, and patience, and so forth we have in this world. But the joy that the world discusses is not the same joy that Jesus gives. The patience that the world has is not the same patience that Jesus gives. The kindness that we show in this world is not the same sort of kindness that a Christian shows to this world. God himself works in us in such a way that our fruit is distinct, totally different. From whatever characteristic of peace, pace, joy, whatever it may be that the world has to offer. But the Lord is also good to us. He knows that in our growth in our faith, that he has saved us, we are justified by faith, but that our sanctification, our growth, our ability to bear this fruit is a fruit that comes in season. And it's a fruit that God um, cultivates in us according to his plan and according to his time. And that our duty as God's people, the very least, is to simply continue to water and to feed and to weed our hearts. by reading his word, by coming to him in earnest prayer, by confessing your sin, by allowing the power and the knowledge and the love of God in Jesus Christ to capture your imagination that Jesus himself is beauty that Jesus himself is, well, is a touchdown. That Jesus himself is, well, that perfect meal. That Jesus himself is all that is perfect, lovely, and beautiful in our lives. So we come to self-control. And if we look at self-control, we, we immediately hear in our minds, in our hearts, the world speaking to us. The world tells us that we need to be able to have self-control in what we do and what we say. And we see this because if, if you go to, uh, well, there's no more bookstores anymore, but if you went to a bookstore or if you went to YouTube right now and, and you just typed in how to be my best self, you will see Tons and tons of videos, tons and tons of people telling you how to be successful. They'll tell you that in order to be a successful, like one of these top CEOs, you need to wake up 4.30 every morning. You need to not look at your emails until 12 o'clock. You need to drink at least two liters of water. Well, that's a liter of water a day. You need to go to sleep by 7 p.m. You need to wear a 
turtleneck and jeans every day so you don't have to worry about what you need to wear. And when we think of self-control, we think of ways to manipulate our lives so that our lives will be prosperous. That's what we think about. And so someone says to you, yo, be self-controlled. Why? Well, your diet, your, your health, your prosperity depends upon it. But that's not the self-control that we're talking about. Now, the world has an opposite message as well, not only, only to control yourself, but the world also has the opposite message, which is be who you are, do what you want to do, who cares about self-control? Just do what you want to do. Be what you want to be. Say what you want to say. Be honest to a fault. Because that's who you are your true self. Be who you were made to be. And we hear this message. We hear people say, listen, let's sit down, just say everything. And then do be like that to all the people who are around you. But that message itself it's not the message of the, godness, of, the, of the gospel. Unhindered honesty is not love, but unhindered honesty is selfishness. So when we look at self-control here as a fruit of God's Holy Spirit, and we ask God, God, Give me more self-control according to your Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It is not simply good moral living, brothers and sisters. It's not simply doing right things just because you feel like they are right things to do. But self-control grows bigger than that. First point. The nature of self-control is that it is a Holy Spirit-given character. Self-control is given by the Holy Spirit. Self-control is not about you being able to, to use your strength, use your courage, use your energy to make right decisions. That's not what we're talking about. It's not when we're, when we're left with a dilemma that's before us that we first go to, okay, I'm going to use my brain. I'm going to use all the information that I have. I'm going to try to understand everything completely that I'm going to make a rational decision of what to do. Well, that's not what we're talking about. Now, does it include all of that? Yes. But the process is a bit different. The process is, okay, God, you have given me by your spirit wisdom through your word, which I read and, and I enjoy, Lord God. You have given me by your wisdom, your word that, that directs me in the right path. 
You've given me, Lord, access to your heavenly realms in prayer to talk with you, to speak with you, to beseech you. Lord, as I assess everything that is about me, about a decision that I have to make, Lord, what does your word have to say about it? Lord, I'm coming to you in prayer earnestly to ask for your grace and your mercy. And I'm asking you by your spirit to help me to make a decision. To be self-controlled about decisions that you have to make. We have to understand that this fruit of the spirit of self-control does not come from my own ability to say yes or no, but it comes from my ability to go before the Lord and say, Lord, what is it that is wise in your eyes? For I know that there is something before me and I need to make a decision. And our decision that we make is not based upon what we feel, what we want, or what we desire. But it's based upon what the Holy Spirit wants and what the Holy Spirit desires. The nature of self-control is not about what I want or what I desire. The nature of self-control is going to the God's Spirit and asking the Spirit of God, What is it that you want from us? The second thing about self-control, self-control teaches us that there is a battle for our hearts. Let me say that again. Self-control, if this is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, it, it, it means that as we grow in our faith, that there is actually a battle for our hearts. You will be tempted by sin. We're all tempted by sin. We will have issues that we need to make decisions upon that are difficult to make. And what this shows us is that our own character, even though we're saved by grace, that we are people who need to continue to grow in that grace. So look around you. There's no one in this room that's perfect. No one. Not one. There's no one here who is right all the time. There's no one here who can say that I have pleased God all the days of my life, even when Jesus lives in me. This fruit of self-control simply means that as we grow in the Lord, we have to make right decisions about choosing God or choosing our flesh. But God has given us, has he not, the ability and the gift of faith to make the decision to follow him. Let me share with you something. This means that many, many times you will do things for God that your flesh doesn't want to do. Let me say that again. This means many, many times you will be be self-controlled that you will do things for God that your flesh doesn't want to do. And in fact, 
if you've never had that experience of saying, God, I'm going to say no to my flesh because I want to please you. And it's hard. If you've never had that experience, and you've never had an experience that when you actually follow God later on, you find joy because you find joy in knowing that this is God working in me. This is God doing his thing in me. Then we need to step back and go, God, I need you again. I need you to help me to say no to unrighteousness and say yes to you. I need to have that experience where I see that, my, that the battle within me is real and I'm saying no to unrighteousness and yes to you. I need to see that even in the midst of this temptation, in the midst of this battle, that it's really hard and it really is just so difficult. But I also need to see that when I come out of the other side, I have nothing but joy in knowing that you and your powerful spirit has led me to you. This is the fruit that comes out. This is the fruit that we experience as Christians. This is the fruit of the Spirit that we are talking about. This the self-control of saying no to unrighteousness, the self-control of saying yes to God, the self-control of wanting God's presence in our lives. This is what God has called us to. And so God encourages you, men, and I encourage all of you. You who know the Lord, stop trying to manage your lives around the world's schedule. Stop trying to control your lives around the world's expectations. Stop trying to control your lives about living a moral life or, or living a life that will, will appease my Christian friends around me. but be controlled by the Holy Spirit and have the self-control to say yes to God and no to the other things around you. Now, there's something else that's, that's beautiful. This is one of my favorite um, passages in Scripture. This is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. And this is what he says. He says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. The end of all things is near. Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. You see, being self-controlled it's not only, it's not simply enduring, gritting your teeth and saying, I'm not going to give into temptation. Okay, I'm going to find something else to do. All right, distraction, good. It's a start. But the positive aspect of self-control is your prayers. It's your prayer life. It's how you pray to the Lord. It's how your words flow from your heart as you fight this battle with him. Thirdly and lastly, know that God himself 
in his patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, that God himself is a God who has mastered himself for your sake. God himself is someone who's not given into fits of rage or fits of anger. That God himself is not someone that you need to fear is going to lash out at you. But God is controlled in his love for you. I am still amazed at the patience of our Lord. I am amazed at the patience of our God. The Bible is a long book to read, is it not? Now, I encourage you guys to read at least the whole thing once a year. But it's a long book. But I know that if any one of us here was God, after Genesis chapter 3, there would simply be a Genesis chapter 4, and it will be over. It would have been over. Because after Genesis chapter 3, judgment, we would all come to that harsh in judgment. Universe is over. I'm done. But God in his patience took upon himself and said, all right, my anger and wrath will come eventually, but I will wait until I call a people for myself. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself, was he not patient with you? Did not he not exercise self-control? Think about it from the time that he was a little child up until the time that he was crucified, he could have called down legions of angels any time to bring judgment upon the people around him. Let me tell you this. We were probably at Noah's age right back there. The first time that we wanted something that we didn't get, we would have called down the angels. and the world will have ended. But God's love for you was patient. God's love for you was kind. Jesus himself lived on this earth, controlling his righteous wrath, his righteous anger. He did not let the goal of his life be sidelined until he could manage himself, but his self-control allowed him to move forward, to go in prayer to the Lord and say, Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need your mercy. I need your power. His self-control allowed him to, to live a life of love. His self-control enabled him to move forward to people, to you and to me. God had a plan, and he executed it. Jesus was called to be our Savior, and he executed that plan. Brothers and sisters, 
don't mistake self-control of just holding it in. Self-control like our Father in heaven, like our Savior, is a movement of love towards other people. It's not simply just withdrawing the hand of wrath, but it's giving the hand of love as well. And so lastly, go and love people. Say no to sin. Bear the fruit of the Spirit. Fight the good battle. Fight the good fight. Yes, the battle is hard at times. Yes, you, you feel like you, you, you need to just hold yourself up. Yes, you think that all you're doing is getting beaten and your shield is just being dented over and over again. But I'm telling you, and God's telling you, that the kingdom of God always moves forward. The people of God always move forward. So don't simply say no. Don't simply say no to unrighteousness, but say yes to God. And let the Lord of grace and mercy fill you with his love. Fruit of the Spirit, all of these, may the Lord grow them in us that we may have the fullness of him among us today. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for the fruit that you bear in us as your people. And we ask of you, Lord Jesus, to continue to do so, that we may be born out as your people. But Father, we're not trying to just do these things out of our strength. We come to you in prayer. For this type of fruit does not come from ourselves. It comes from you. So, Lord Jesus, help us. Work in our hearts a new work. Let your Holy Spirit take over our lives. Maybe, Lord, be hunger. Maybe hunger and thirst for your word. Maybe hunger and thirst for prayer. Maybe hunger and thirst, Lord, and, and confess our sins that we may be forgiven and loved by you. And in so doing, Lord God, bear this fruit in us that our friends, our family, our enemies may see Christ alive. In his name we pray. Amen.